0: Vailana marcus that should say a lot right there it certainly does to me she is my wife and she's the most incredible woman that i've ever met of course i'm a little biased but i truly believe that i'm also telling the truth and i can't wait for you guys to get to know her at least a little bit get to know this woman that i'm going to be spending the rest of my life with she's a medicine woman a sound healer and just a beautiful brilliant thinker that comes from the heart and has gone through her own significant journey to reach this state of love and to be able to be fit for service and offer the healing that she's offering to the world. So I can't wait for you guys to meet my wife, Vailana. Before we get started, I wanna to talk to you about Ring. When I was thinking about getting married eventually one day, I was like, I am never gonna wear a wedding band. I'm just not gonna do it. Because to me, it symbolized this kind of restriction of freedom. It symbolized all of these things that I didn't like. But now that I'm married, I am so proud of being by Lana's husband that I want to wear it all the time. Now, I have a metal one that has a beautiful stone in it, and it's awesome, and it's my like sacred ceremonial wedding band. But I don't want to wear that all the time. I'd much rather wear something that I can play ball with. I've been playing a bunch of pickleball and playing basketball and working out, and I want to leave it on and just have it on in the gym wherever I'm going. So Groove Ring has these silicone rings that are awesome. They look great. I actually have a variety of different colors so I can kind of color coordinate it with my outfit. And so I got a gray one on right now. Sometimes I'm wearing a black one. Sometimes I'm wearing this kind of wood grain looking one that has these different swirling patterns. There's some really amazing rings. They fit impeccably and they feel great. And one of the technological advancements that they came up with was the actual groove system on the inside. So it lets air in, it lets moisture out and that really makes a difference beyond that there's also the designs of course which are incredible it's worn by olympic athletes championship bull riders joe rogan wears one of these and there's over a million other customers Sixty-five 5 five-star reviews i mean these are absolutely the best they have a 94 year no bullshit warranty like 94 years they're they're going all in. I fi- I guess that's like the maximum amount of time they could think that anybody could possibly be married based on the centenarians that have existed. But <laughs> nonetheless, um you can get yours at groovelife.com, g r o o v e life.com. Use the code AMP at checkout and get 15% off on your rings. And that's of course if you're married. If not, then uh maybe some other steps to find your partner, which Maybe you'll get some insight when you listen to this podcast. I hope you guys enjoy.
1: May this message reach the hearts of as many possible in service of love. (laughs)
0: by lana marcus it's me wife (laughs) husband yes indeed yes indeed wow what a journey for us to arrive here in this spot right now huh
1: yeah lifetime (laughs) yeah lifetime of a lot of years that felt like way too long
0: (laughs) right like if we only knew that we were going (laughs) to arrive here in this moment we could have saved ourselves so much stress yeah like, if we just knew there was a happy ending to the story, you know, at that point, it would have been like, oh, good, I'm learning lessons, I'm having fun, it's fine.
1: Yeah, all this is constructive and necessary and it's guiding me to love and it's okay because I know where I'm going. <laughs> but there definitely wasn't that. <laughs> there was no sense of having any idea where life was going in in relation to love and relationship.
0: Yeah, and that's the nature of things, right? And that's actually what, it's the reason for faith the reason for faith is to believe that this is coming so it alleviates all of the stress and all of the experiences you have but it's hard to have faith when you've never experienced it before mm. which is the reason it's faith if it if you actually knew that it was coming it wouldn't be faith it'd be knowledge yeah <laughs> right so that doesn't really work but faith itself is so powerful because if you have it it would be like having this known reality if mm-hmm. you had really strong faith and then thinking back to life would been like oh, wow, I can really enjoy all of this stuff because you know what? I'm going to make it. Yeah. I'm going to be able to serve my message to the world. I'm going to be able to find this undying, unconditional love. I'm going to be able to get to all of these things. I'm just meandering now. Yeah. And that's where all of us are. We're just meandering. And perhaps we've found certain things. And that's like the, the gift of actually arriving to this threshold and crossing it is just the understanding that even in this category, which I would completely lost faith in... <laughs> Like we made it yeah we made it
1: fairy tales are real
0: they're real (laughs) i was like the number one shit talker about
1: fairy tales
0: putting out a message that was impossible to live up to and what is this nonsense it's all bullshit and in some ways that's correct because the fairy tales are leaving out a lot of the shadow a lot of the darkness a lot of the experiences that we have with everybody else that's going to shape us into the person that we are right now
1: for sure and 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 all of those all of those experiences in the darkness and challenge is is what creates the healer within us it's the part of us that gets to drive into being something different but when you're in the you know in the mud in the muck in the suffering it's so easy to just get stuck in this really difficult way of being mm. but to know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel to just have enough faith access even if the light is small you know the way that it can carry you so differently i I wish myself now could have told myself back then i was gonna get through it all i was gonna survive not only survive but thrive
0: what do you think yourself of then would say to this yourself of now if you're like listen baby girl it's all (laughs) gonna be all right (laughs) like would you have been like fuck you
1: (laughs) probably in some way i think i uh i have i've always had a more positive perspective like i always try to see the silver
0: lining so you'd have been like i knew it i knew
1: it (laughs) (laughs) possibly but also you know it, it could just feel like something being spoken to try to nurture you know the discomfort that i was in so i think a part of me could believe, and then the other part would say, Fuck you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you be here. You be in this experience because it sucks and it hurts so bad.
0: <laughs> and you're like, I know, I'm you. I was there. <laughs> I remember.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well,
0: I think that's a, a gift that we can give people listening now is just an understanding by going through our own stories to understand. And I'm sure people will identify with parts of our stories that have been parts of their stories because we are all sharing this experience in more ways than we ever give credit. We always look at the differences, but there are far more similarities than there are differences. So where did your journey to understanding love begin? Because it begins for all of us as a little baby immersed in this Universal love, well, maybe starts actually in the womb where there's nothing but love and you're swimming around in this seemingly infinite universe, even though it's contained by the walls of the skin of your mother's belly. But nonetheless, it seems like this all your needs are taken care of. You're floating around, whatever. Water breaks. Oh my God, what's happening? Got to fight through this little canal. Air, I'm breathing. What the hell? There's so many lights. They're injecting me with vaccines. What the fuck is happening? And then, like, but eventually you settle back in and you're getting nursed at the teat, and it's all love. It's all love.
1: You feel the love from your mother. You feel her right. her heartbeat on the outside. You feel, you know, that presence of divine love, you know, even in those first moments. But I mean, the way that... <sighs> The way that love constructed for me, and I've done a lot of work around this in plant medicine and meditation and, you know, all of my deep soul work and journeying was around me as a two and a half year old when my little sister came into the world. You know, I went from this like vibrant, eccentric, wild being to... And feeling like I had all hundred percent of the love, which I absolutely thought was limited, I'm sure, at that <laughs> stage of life. hundred percent of the the love. Get the full love
0: pie. All of it was me. And for I get me, to eat it all the time.
1: All the time. And then this little thing comes in that cries, and you know, all the attention and and that that love and nurture that I was looking for is placed, you know, on my sister. And, that and as nugget a, is
0: eating my pie.
1: Yeah. So I she became the object of my not understanding why it felt like love in some sense was being withdrawn from me
0: so you projected it as her fault
1: yeah it was it, i ex- I externalized because they had no ability to even understand of course not. you know
0: you're a little you're a little being
1: i'm a little being and so that developed into having this story that i needed to compete to get the love. Then and, you,
0: and you started early.
1: I did. <laughs> I did. I was four years old and um, my mom was a Polynesian dancer. She was the most graceful, beautiful. She was my goddess, you know, hula dancing, Tahitian dancing, and she was the best. I'm like... I for sure have to be the best. I want the most love (laughs) from her, so I got to be like my mom. And uh, I started competing when I was four. I I mean, I threw a tantrum to compete. They didn't even have an age category for four-year-olds, obviously, like who's (laughs) Tahitian dancing at four. Um, They had a category of seven to eight-year-olds, and I cried, somehow cried and fought my way to be able to compete Cause I wanted love, and you won. I won. Yeah. So that can, Ryan,
0: can we can we clip in for people watching YouTube? Can we put in a clip of her as a little <laughs> four year old, little nugget out there shaking it, shaking it all around yeah. the stage, being a ham?
1: Yeah. And it's so funny too because I was like terrified. You can see in my face, like I'm doing it for love, but it's so (laughs) uncomfortable. I'm like always looking at the floor. I'm going great. My hips are like going insane, but I was scared. But it was, you know, that that drive in me to be loved the most was so strong even then. And um, it led to insane competition strategies for everything that I did right in school in anything that i put my mind to like even in school which i i did really well at because that was also a way of getting love you know love like,
0: from your teacher love mm-hmm, from anybody My which good attention equals, becomes the attention equals that that surrogate for love right like, yeah for getting attention that means love yeah and so I'm going to get as much attention as possible. Well, if I know the answers, I'll get called on. I get to raise my hand. I yep. get that attention. If I get good grades and the teacher will appreciate that and say a nice comment, and then I go home and I show my report card and I get love for that.
1: Yeah. And I can always be right. Ooh. I can always be right. Another I don't ever have to like dance in failure or shame or judgment. It, it, it's like a, it was a safety mechanism. That's
0: why you like math.
1: I love math
0: because <laughs> <laughs> there's a right answer really like... and it's right and it's 100% right. Exactly. Which is why I fucking hated it. <laughs>
1: I loved it so much. There's always a right answer and I could figure it out. That's the uh-huh. way that my mind worked, but when it came to expanding outside of that and that that way of thinking that's like you, very philosophical and wondering about things, that didn't even that was not part of my being. I just wanted to know the answer so that I could excel. I didn't want to expand into i didn't even know how to expand into anything more than that
0: it's interesting because i was i'm thinking back and i i despise math and i (laughs) despise math because a lot of people could get the right answer so actually i might have even been deeper in the pathology than you in that i wanted to be so special that i was producing something that nobody else could do and was clearly better than everybody else Mm. so the only way to do that was in the written word in english and philosophy and these different ideas so Math was like, pff, half the class got that answer. Like, how am I special, you know? Like, that doesn't make any sense. I need to write a poem. And I remember I wrote a poem when I was in sixth grade. And the, actually the teacher called the principal and they had a meeting for me with my parents. We didn't know what it was about. And they showed the poem and they're like, to my parents, like, we know that you wrote this and <gasps> this is cheating and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, we didn't fucking write this. And I was like, how dare you? <laughs> how dare how you
1: dare you shit on my special day? <laughs> yeah <Super> exactly <laughs>
0: but actually it made me feel more special because they were like you <laughs> think my parents wrote this but it was a weird poem for us for like a sixth grader to write because even though that's kind of getting older but it was about this man who took a sled out into the snow to die he knew that he was going to die and he's he's taking the sled with his dogs and he's going out deeper and deeper into the deep snow and then unhitches the sled kisses his dogs hugs his dogs goodbye lets them loose and lays back in the snow and allows the cold to seep into his bones until the blackness comes and he dies oh
1: my (laughs) god it was dark of course you wrote that you're so dramatic and wonderful
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah my parents actually had that framed for a while and i was it's it's interesting that i was like exploring that kind of concept at that age but i know that you know for me the the first realization of death had a big impact on me so i think it was me in an early stage trying to grapple with my understanding of death
1: you are so far beyond me (laughs) (laughs) that didn't come to like 29 maybe (laughs) sixth grade year old Aubrey just (laughs) crushing it at life already all right
0: well we both had a lot of similarities though in our desire to compete because Mm -hmm. it was for me it was always sports and it was all of the other things and and that's the way i learned you know like if I played well in a game, everybody gave me love and credit in the school and I got trophies. And you know, after a good game, the car ride with, home with my dad, he was excited and he was talking to things. If I played a shitty game, he was just kind of quiet. He wasn't mean, but he mm. was just quiet. And it was that removal of attention, that withdrawal. absence of attention, the apathy almost, the withdrawal. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh my God, yeah. I'll never, I'll never play a bad game again, which then makes me play worse games because I'm so worried about it. I'm in not in the head. flow.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah, so that idea of this conditional love paradigm is where we all come from Mm -hmm. and we do it to ourselves because once we learn that from the world, we apply it to ourselves. So actually nobody else needs to do that to us because we do it to ourselves. The best,
1: the absolute best. And if I am not being the best, if I am not succeeding, then there is this incredibly harsh, unforgiving judge always so it's like it's actually it kind of actually turns into almost like a self-hatred thing yeah that you're just constantly you know placing this negative energy on yourself like how can you really thrive in the things that you love in that kind of with those kind of constructs
0: it it takes the love of the thing and it actually deteriorates it yeah you know it, you start by you start doing a thing because you love it. But then eventually when you're doing it as a means to an end, the end being receiving of love, it's just a means and you don't enjoy the means because all you're focused on is the end. Yeah. And so you lose the lose the spirit of the thing.
1: It's interesting to even think about Tahitian dancing because there was so much there was so much of it that I did love. I loved the commun- sense of community, you know, Polynesian people are so about Ohana and tribe and, you know, so there was that beautiful element, but I probably in many ways missed it because I was so obsessed with being the best that that that's what I was there for. I wasn't taking in how special it was to have these potlucks and aunties who had all this, you know, beautiful wisdom and love to share with me. It was like I was there to win.
0: Yeah, <laughs> just a Tahitian ah. dancing killer, ah. just the assassin going in <laughs> to take your trophy and move along.
1: Yeah, and then and then when I stopped, you know, it, my parents divorced when I was twelve, which you know was the most incredible disruptor of of life. You know, not not placing any kind of blame on them. You know, they always did their best and they were so loving of my sister and I but it just wrecked me inside because this bubble of love that I knew as everything you know it didn't blow up in a crazy way but it wasn't that anymore it was like life was paradise and then it just wasn't mm. and when I when I left California and moved with my mother and my stepfather I stopped dancing so I didn't have that thing anymore to fight for so i mean i applied it to school but like none of it made me feel alive or or passionate or you know the only thing that i really had that i was passionate about was singing but that was also this societal society conditioned construct of what that was supposed to be you know not just singing because i love to sing i had to sing like christine aguilera i had to sing like mariah carey and annoy the hell out of my poor little sister (laughs) my whole life belting in the car she used my mom and i used to drive her crazy um but it 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 also wasn't it wasn't the it it was void of the soul
0: right yeah because you were focused on the expression of it and not the intention of it Mm -hmm. or the kind of what you were really trying to what you were really trying to convey it was like again a means to an end the end was the fame the recognition the mm-hmm. adulation everything else that you were really going for but singing was just a vehicle to get you there for
1: sure and which
0: i is just no way to sing
1: and i never even i just tried to sing to sing well i wasn't singing from my heart things that i meant and that i could feel and that you know it was how can i hit every single note That I'm supposed to hit because I could, but it was so, yeah, it was so, so void of the, the heart
0: in it. So when I think about the things that elevate the quality of life for myself and everybody I know, it comes down to relationships. It comes down to having those true allies. And of course you're getting to meet one of them, my wife, Ilana, but it really reaches the fruition of its potential when you have a community a community of people that you can be radically vulnerable with that'll hold space for you that'll cheer when you succeed that will help bring you to the opportunity to experience everything that this life has to offer and that's what the fit for service fellowship is doing it's completely blowing my mind what this has evolved into this is different people within the group without any prompting organizing, creating ceremonial spaces, gathering, meeting in places all over the country, all over the world. And it's just a tribe of like-minded brothers and sisters. And of course, there's the curriculum, there's the coaching myself and Godzi and Caitlin and Kyle and all the master coaches we bring in, Vailana offering sound healings, everything that we can bring. And then all of the members adding their contributions like a giant round table in this Camelot we call the Fit for Service Fellowship. It's really one of the most special things that I've been a part of. And I just get so much satisfaction and love and joy meeting everybody and just experiencing life as part of this tribe. So Trimester Three is open now for applications. And if you're at all interested, I encourage you guys to check it out, aubreymarcus.com slash fit for service. In trimester three, we'll be gathering in Sedona. And I know this is a time where not everybody wants to travel, but we feel comfortable gathering in Arizona and really believe that it's important for the pillars of community to meet up and be able to have these transformational experiences so they can go back to wherever they are from and offer that sense of safety, peace, healing, knowledge, information, support, leadership back to your original community. So I hope you guys give it a shot, take a look at the application process, see if this is something that calls to you. And I really look forward to meeting some of you online in all the Zoom calls and all the interactions that we have. And of course, in person when we gather once more in Sedona in trimester three in October. So once again, that's aubreymarcus.com slash fit for service. You went through a pretty dark, period around 14 mm-hmm. what do you think precipitated that and like bring us into that yeah into that space that you're in
1: um i mean i'd like to start by uh just saying we have the choice to look at anything from our past as purely trauma or we can look at it as a gift um that teaches us the lessons that are necessary for us to learn kind of as our as our human evolves and as our soul evolves. So I look back on all of these experiences with immense gratitude. Um, But yeah, when I, when my parents divorced, not only, you know, leaving the life that I had always known, the mother and father figure that I had in my mom and dad, um, and missing my dad, I moved into you know, a new home and a new environment and an an entirely new life as an adolescent with my stepfather. And, you know, his way of showing love was a lot more authoritarian. And um, it didn't really, to me, I came from a totally different dynamic of parenting. So for me, it actually felt... um, it felt really difficult and it it, it kind of, to me, I didn't associate it with the love that I had known. So it was really challenging. And what I decided when I got there was, and and honestly, after my parents' divorce, what I decided was, I'm gonna be strong, you know? I, I I think socially, we also kind of learned that, like toughen up, you know, even though I was a girl, nobody encouraged me to cry or feel my emotions or anything like that. And so I decided to be strong. And I, wit- I witnessed my little sister in immense struggle and feeling all of her emotions and seeing how hard that was for her to just feel everything and then to see the way that that affected my mother by seeing her be in pain and just all the dynamics of divorce and separation. Like it's so much emotion and so much energy and I didn't want to be another thing that created challenge for anybody. I was very empathic as a little girl like being able to see you know the movements and people's energies and emotions and experiences and um i just didn't want to put any of my pain or suffering onto anyone else and so
0: yeah the problem with that is it puts you in a really dark place because you have no outlet yeah. for all of those feelings that you have, everything that you're holding inside this dam that's holding back all of the waters of all these emotions, you're just going stronger, stronger, stronger and not sharing anything, thinking that you're doing somebody a favor, but ultimately it's not not if they actually love you, yeah, you know, and not if you actually love yourself, it's not for the best.
1: yeah and it, and it's it's a it's a really punishing thing to internalize. Your emotional experience, because those things exist within you. If you repress them, you know specifically if you repress them, like they They really strengthen it within you. Yeah, and 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 kind of the constructs that come from not expressing. I mean, at the time, I felt anger a lot at things that felt unfair to me, Um, and instead of expressing, you know, vocally, emotionally, any kind of energy that had to do with the anger I was feeling I would just hold it I would just hold it so then eventually I mean it it essentially became directed at me Mm -hmm. and so it it just I just became to get more and more isolated in in life like I had friends but I had I had nobody to talk to about anything that I was experiencing but I also wouldn't express any of what I was experiencing trying to hold the container together for everybody else so I was just in this like cave of suffering by myself incredibly yeah like I said just incredibly isolated and it was incredibly hard for me
0: hard enough that you thought about hitting the reset button
1: yeah I mean there were there were times that I I didn't want to do it anymore I felt so alone and and not seen that I just had suicidal thoughts. Like what if I was no longer here, how would they feel? Would they see me then? Would they miss me then? Could they notice this like immense suffering that I'm experiencing if I was gone? And, and in a really weird way, that was the way that I learned how to that, that kind of envisioning process was how I learned how to access the love that I was looking for.
0: What a crazy thing. And I think it's so common that the ego is so desperate for love, desires it so much that it will even consider ending this life so that in its imagined future state, it can harness and harvest all of that love that it's craving and that it's mm-hmm. missing. I mean, just to show you how much we really 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 are craving love.
1: Yeah. And it's I mean it's hard as a as an adolescent who is learning their way in the world. You know, so many things are changing you're going through pu- puberty, dynamics it, social dynamics are shifting, you're learning how to relate to yourself, how to communicate, how to feel, how to be and I felt so lost and so deeply alone.
0: It's, it seems like we develop all of these strategies to just, once we have that initial loss of love, we develop all of these strategies oh, yeah. to try and get love. And even this, you know, the idea that you didn't want your mom to hurt is certainly one aspect of it. But there's probably the other aspect that you thought that if you were strong, your mom would love you more. Yeah. You know, so it was a desi- that- another strategy Yeah, to just get as much love as possible. Maybe because you saw how your mom reacted to your sister and that was difficult for her. And in difficult times, it's hard to express that love freely. So you're like, oh, okay, that strategy doesn't work. Well, this strategy will work, I'll be strong, I'll suck it up and, my, and I'll get whatever love I can. Yeah. But it's all just this, this you know, incessant cycle for how can I get as much love as possible? Yeah,
1: and, and, the, and the defense ne- mechanisms that started to come into play at that point of my life was it was the this the suffering that I felt and loneliness that I felt was so great that I learned very well how to just shut off. I learned how to just numb it all out. And and for a while, like you know, dating when I was in my twenties, I thought that was my superpower because that gave me some sense of control over experiences. But just yeah, thinking of all all of the ways that we start to build these defense mechanisms of protection
0: and so that what you're talking about is the ability to just shut off the pain. yeah you could just completely shut down I like just power down it. the system mm-hmm. and power down and that's a defense mechanism that's lasted up until i don't know a little earlier this year <laughs> yeah. you know like i've seen that defense mechanism too it's these patterns they take a while to unravel But go, you mentioned when you started dating, go take us, you know, take us down that journey because eventually we stop craving love from our parents so much Mm. and we start craving it from the opposite sex. The hormones kick in and we start (laughs) craving that love from in the physical Uh from other people romantically.
1: And I, I, I'm. I've always been like a bleeding heart. Like I've always loved so much. So I really, you know, entered into every relationship, like this is gonna be my fairy tale. This is gonna be- This is the one. This is the one. And there was just so many um, dysfunctional and codependent patterns in me already of relating to love, primarily the idea of having to compete for it. And that that was like an inner story, you know? From being two and a half years old, I have to compete for love, and so what that ended up doing was I create co-created experiences and attracted partners to my life where I did have to compete for love. so there was always another girl. there was always this like horrible moment of just oh my God, and I, I could even remember it just the the moment of betrayal when you just that ball just drops on you. And I just remember being like in the fetal position, shaking, like asking why, because it was so painful.
0: Yeah, but because and you know, when you find out that your person you love is seeing somebody else, there's not only that feeling, there's the betrayal, there's the reevaluation. There's so many things that come crashing down on you in that one moment. And you've had more than your fair share of those yeah, experiences.
1: And, and, they, and they started to the 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 story that kind of cycled through me in relation to all of those was i'm not worthy i'm not worthy of being chosen it doesn't matter the way i love the way that i you know bring myself into everything i'm just i'm i i'm not worthy
0: i'm fucked up and, and that's the reason why everybody's cheating on me and nobody will choose me yeah it's a natural thing to do we all do that
1: well there was also <clears throat> at the time because i wasn't as aware of myself and my psyche and my inner workings and stories I felt very victim you know I didn't really look at those experiences as actually serving me to mirror mm-hmm. the parts in me that weren't really resonating with love or the integrity with my soul you know like they were they were trying to paint these pictures for me and be like you know here's this moment where you can no longer look for the external validation, but really love yourself and have yeah. compassion for yourself. But it's, you know, as, as a as a young person or, or people that aren't really taught um, certain ways of being, it just feels like the world is happening to me.
0: It's, it's a, such a beautiful thing to be reminded of that perhaps all that's happening is as you reach, you know, with that kind of craving, for a love externally from somebody else, then the universe was continually slapping you on the hand like, no, 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 yeah, no, 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 And you're like, okay, I'll reach a different way. Yeah. I'll come with the underhand grip <laughs> and they'll never slap my hand away because the back of my hand is not exposed and the universe comes from the ground, smack. Yeah. And hits you in the back of the hand still. And you're like, what the fuck universe? Like yeah. I keep trying all these different ways, but you're not internalized, you're not getting the lesson. You're not getting the no. message, which is, hey girl, love yourself, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: love yourself Mm -hmm. first, Yeah, you know? And that's the the thing that I think, as you said, we need to be teaching everybody and we need to learn ourselves because self-love is a process. It's not like all of us, oh yeah, we all know this. You know, I've listened to enough podcasts and I read a book here too, and I know how to love yourself. I mean, I have a really clear understanding that despite my vast knowledge of self-love, less than maybe a year ago, less than a year ago, I thought I loved myself and I realized I absolutely didn't mm. absolutely didn't at 38 years old still not loving myself hardly at all mm-hmm. and it's so it's one of these things that we might hear it and think yeah sure I love myself but maybe not maybe yeah. we're still looking constantly just as we are as children with all of these strategies to get as much love as you can as many sources as possible Mm -hmm. one of the absolutely one of the reasons why i was so interested in polyamory because i was so desperate for love because i wasn't giving myself enough yeah that i needed to get it not just from one person but from at least three because then maybe but then you know what even when i had it from three like the fourth would be the one that did it i had no time everything was it was like incredibly impossible to even manage the two or three or whatever but i was like but that fourth one, though, <laughs> but that fourth one, though, is the one,
1: yeah.
0: You know, and and that's it's because just I wasn't fully loving myself. And sure, there's a lot of fun and a lot of beauty and different experiences with different people, and all of that is great. But fundamentally, that drive came from I need more love.
1: Mm.
0: I need more love. And where did that drive come from? Well, it came from a deficit, yeah. And the deficit in my own ability to truly love myself. Mm-hmm.
1: I think there's also a level of um, something that I mentioned earlier of, of that way of thinking is kind of like love is limited as well.
0: Mm-hmm. When like
1: love is in everything, like some of, the greatest, some, some of the greatest teachers that I've had was not a mentor or somebody speaking to me. It was literally me in nature with music and a journal and to feel into what love is from the universe you know divine love love that comes from within you and explodes out to everything else that's abundant love
0: yeah that's the great beloved as Rumi writes about right Mm. you know it's and all of the Sufi poets will talk to you about it and through their poetry they'll talk about accessing that greater love that capital l love which is everywhere and found in everything so that you're not dependent on these particular sources that you get love from and you're not of course the other aspect is dependent upon the validation to make you worthy of love in your own mind Mm -hmm. which could be business or money or success or all of these different things so it's like sources validation all of these things it all comes back to that fundamental drive that we have to feel love and all of the strategies and all the pathologies that have been created from our conditioning that make that difficult to truly just rest in love yeah and i think if we hadn't gone on our journey we wouldn't be sitting here (laughs) no you know like we had to find that love through all the trials and tribulations we had to find that love for ourselves first
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and And that's like a that's like a, a an aphorism a spiritual maxim before you love before you love anyone else you must truly love yourself you're like yeah 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 blah 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 yeah, next fortune it. cookie <laughs> like whatever <laughs> but like it's fucking true it's it happens. so
1: true yeah and the way that it lands when you actually feel it is different like I, I think that people intellectualize that what that means it's like how does it feel like do you really feel love for yourself when you're waking up in the morning and you're you know You love talking about, we're so funny in the morning. I have the most, for some reason, I have insane sleep and I wake up with the most puffiest face. (laughs) It looks like I ate something that I'm the most allergic to. And Like
0: you ate a swarm of bees.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Am I loving myself in that moment? You know, is my love conditional upon doing, being, looking? You know, and and that's like a a really great... um, practice of just awareness in those moments
0: the thing that you love the least about yourself is the ceiling on your self-love so like everybody take that in for a moment because whatever that thing is that you judge that's your limiting factor Mm -hmm. the thing you love the least that's your ceiling because you'll never go above that ceiling because you have to lift that to raise the entire universal bar of your self-love so if you didn't love your puffy eyes or you didn't love the way your body looked or your voice sounded or this thing about yourself well that's the limit on the amount of love that you have for yourself Mm -hmm. so you start one way to do it is start working on loving those things that you love the least and maybe the insignificant things the things that you just brush over that you don't even consider your own and that could be psychological that could be those things that we're ashamed about in our psychology maybe our jealousies Mm. maybe our anger that we try to like push aside and justify and all of these things but that's not the way the way is to love those things yeah that all of those
1: yeah i i to touch on kind of the more shadowy or, or dark part um of my life is I from from suppressing my emotion for so long, I had about you know in my spiritual awakening journey, I had about a year and a half of just immense anger and rage at the experiences that I was having. Like all of all every moment that I had had that I just never experienced it, it would come up and out of me and 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 to even look at myself you know i afterwards i would feel so ashamed and so guilty and and then it turned into this vicious, vicious cycle of just like self-hatred and judgment when what it was asking for all along was for me to love that too to love my humanness to know that darkness is on the spectrum of light like your lightest light is polarized by your deepest darkness mm. and i had to deeply meet those aspects of myself that i had rejected and kept hidden for so long you know thinking i'm always going to be light and happy and you know easygoing and and passive and whatever but it's it's not really honoring the full embodiment of your humanness <laughs>
0: So, as we're all aware, the world is a little different right now. And this is just a great opportunity to bring your fitness and performance to another level. And certainly, I've been taking advantage of that, especially with me enjoying new sports. Like I've been playing a lot of pickleball, I've started to pick basketball up again. And that's really driven me to have a reason to want to train harder. So, in doing so, I want to make sure I'm supporting myself in the best way possible. And that's what on it is here for is to just support you in whatever goals you have so we have a performance collection that we're highlighting right now that's all of our grass-fed whey isolate proteins so just isolating the best aspects of those amino acids to help you in recovery creatine most of us know what creatine is but that actually supports muscle synthesis so that you can perform well and also look pretty good too Total strength and performance, which was shown in clinical research by Florida State University to help increase performance in a variety of different exercises. Shroom Tech Sport, also shown by Florida State University to help with high intensity interval training. And then of course, total nitric oxide, which is pretty magical. Nitric oxide opens up the capillaries and the blood vessels. So, when you're working out, you get just the most ridiculous pump. And it, of course, also helps with performance and everything when you're in the gym and when you're really working out and trying to get the most muscle growth possible. Total NO is awesome. So, check all of those things out if you haven't already. I would probably throw the beta alanine in there as well. That's something that I'm, I just took some right now because I'm about to go train in the gym. So, all kinds of amazing things that we have to offer. Go to slash Aubrey and you will get your always, forever, and ever 10% off slash Aubrey. All kinds of things get fucked up when we have a strong identification with a certain aspect or expression of our being if we think that we're always supposed to be happy and we're always supposed to be you know have emotional control and when those other things come up we'll either ignore them stuff them deny them pretend they're not there distract distract or if they happen then we'll shame them which embeds them further rather than allowing them to like to look at them and as you said the invitation to love those things away like use the actual counter force of energy which is love to actually unwind those things and yeah. allow them the space to unravel these tangles in our psyche because we know so many people and we it's just the human nature that if you're deeply attached to a particular identity of yourself mm-hmm. you just won't even see another aspect yeah you know you'll just project every single thing onto everybody else that's actually coming from you because Mm -hmm. you were unwilling to look at you why because you'll judge yourself too harshly you'll remove your own self-love so it's another strategy to keep us from that internal judge from casting that decision say Mm -hmm. not looking at it you know this isn't happening or explaining it and justifying it in in such a way that like well of course i got angry did you see what they did
1: for sure look at the entire life of all of our relationships. (laughs) Sure. You know, like trying to preserve the ego's identity with like, no, I'm good. No, I have to be right. No, you know, like just battling in codependency. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So much struggle and challenge. And uh, you know, what you said about love kind of being the thing that sets you free. I mean, it, it absolutely is. It liberates fear. It 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 liberates you into total sovereignty and joy and ecstasis and 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 so much more than you ever thought possible. Like part of a lot of the practices that I used in coming to a place of love for myself that wasn't so conditional was one, I started writing to myself in my journal, the way that I speak to other people. Cause I'm very loving and you know, I I I I see the beauty in the world and I see the beauty in other people. And, and that's always been the lens that I've looked at life through, which on some level is beautiful. And then in other, you know, in other experiences, it got me into some shit. But um, I started writing to myself the way that I speak to other people. I started writing to myself in the loving way that I encourage you know, somebody else in their tough moments how to believe in themselves how to see through the darkness and you know that became a practice for me and that was kind of what started to open it and 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 then even somatic things like i literally all the time hug myself like Aww. deeply deeply <laughs> hug myself like and i focus on the energy that i give when i'm hugging another i'm a huge hugger i love you the are. most squishy hug holding forever Ah! (laughs) and i started to do that with myself like which might seem silly but like there's a there's an energy that kind of comes from doing that especially in low moments like somatic um somatic tools like that are really helpful
0: there's one that's actually called havening in which you go into a traumatic memory or something Mm. that's challenging and you actually start rubbing your own arms so you cross your hand and start rubbing the top of your arms yeah and like in this really soothing way
1: like as you're going would. through
0: like a mother would yeah. and just kind of repatterning the feeling of safety you know that you're able to provide yourself with that memory and reprogramming your mind itself so you're actually able to move through some of these things
1: well i think that's i think that that is what is being asked of us is to be the nurturing loving mother and father to ourselves to our inner child you know that didn't experience love in a way that was, you know, that that we needed maybe. And in in being able to do that, like how sovereign does that make you? You know, to not to no longer to be in a low moment and and obviously community and support and all of that is so important and necessary, but to be in a low moment and need something outside of you that's always giving your power away yeah. to something else. But like what if we could be, what if I could be the loving mother to the part of me that's really scared in a moment that might have a, re- a reaction in anger or a reaction in judgment or defensiveness or whatever? You know, what if I could nurture and nourish myself?
0: That's a cheat code to the game of life. Yeah. For sure. You get that. All right, let's fast forward to um, Burning Man. <laughs> Fast forward to burning, man, because this is <laughs> this is an, this is a moment. And I'm so grateful that I got to be there for these key moments in your journey to universal love. Mm. And this was a big moment for you. You know, you had transitioned, you'd gone off and and done all the different things from bottle service to all the work things after school and all the relationships, up and down, all the tumult and all of the conditioning that comes from that. You have to look a certain way, you have to yeah. be pretty, you have to LA sell life. bottles, all yeah. the LA stuff. And then you get to Burning Man and it's a different thing out there on the playa, huh? (laughs) Yeah.
1: I mean, um, I always call it the place where I found that I had wings and that I could fly. You know, at Burning Man, it is radical self-expression and acceptance. You know, everybody is going there in, in their eccentric way of being and nobody's looking at anything with judgment like well you're supposed to kind of dress this way to go to, out to dinner and wear heels you know it's just like what does my soul want to express you know and yeah. for me that that freedom i've always i mean if you've seen my instagram it looks like i live at <laughs> burning man and i like i like physically to just be free and and you know sexual and sensual and and that's that's my being so to be so free in a place and and have people's response be so much love you know that holy crap the way that I dance is more the way that I speak is different the way that I express it's just like I have never known what this is to not have constructs in in a container that I'm putting myself in and it was so it was so liberating
0: also the first time you did psilocybin
1: also the first time that i did psilocybin and i mean that was that was a game changer on so many levels i mean because it the awareness that i started to feel in my body about what i would put the energy that i would put into it what i'm eating what i'm drinking you know the way that i relate to music and how i could feel it moving through me and wanting to express it in all the you know movements and going absolutely ham it just uh it it opened me up to a totally different way of being
0: so i met you there and <laughs> i was in my three girlfriend stage at that point and you were that number four uh, you, you were the four you were the number four i was like uh, this, uh, <laughs> uh, 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 uh. this number four and I was actually right. That's the funny part. This number 4 was the actual one that I was going to do it. But that was not me being intuitive, or maybe it was. But nonetheless, like I was certainly interested, but you know, you were not interested in diving into, you know, my polyamory. I actually
1: didn't even know when we were at Burning Man that you were in um an open relationship. I had no idea what that even meant. I'd never heard of that. I've never I'd never heard of polyamory. And uh so sometime when you would come and like dance with me, I'm like My God, I felt so uncomfortable. I'm (laughs) like, his girlfriend is right there. This is so inappropriate. What a creep! (laughs) But then we also, you know, beyond that, in my my you know kind of aloof mind, uh, we had a really incredible bonding experience where I had I was having a conversation, and it was with you and Whitney and Caitlin, and you were telling me how Caitlin was your former fiance. And that to me was like this huge light bulb moment because I always felt in love and relationship, you know, when, when things end, there's this like dramatic black and white, you know, divorce, separation, everything has to be separate. And for me, that never resonated. Like I always loved the person exactly the way that I did when we were together. It just felt like our relationship evolved into something different which could be a friendship and and being allies and continuing to support each other in a way that's just not intimate yeah and that's what i always felt in my heart but i had never seen it before so for you guys to be telling me about your experience i'm like this is how it's supposed to
0: work yeah
1: (laughs) or this is how i'd like to see it work. i think it is
0: how it's supposed to work (laughs) because love shouldn't love shouldn't it doesn't go anywhere that's the thing like sometimes we wait so long in relationship that we actually resent the person so much that we don't can't love them at all anymore Mm. but like the where's the love supposed to go supposed to just evaporate you know i mean understandably being sexually intimate with somebody needs a transition because that can bring a lot of things up that sexual intimacy but absolutely for me and caitlin you know we had to take our time after we separated we were engaged separated and then took a little time It stayed in touch and then within two years or so we were starting to build a best friendship again and now she's her and kyle are my best friends in the world yeah. and let's continue that and that was the way it was in burning man but i remember that moment in the rv where you're like wait this is whitney you're partner and then this is caitlin your ex-fiance and they seem to be genuinely <laughs> they really good friends
1: freaking love each other they and love they're each having other. so much fun and there's yeah. no drama it's just all awesomeness
0: sure and i i really do believe that's the that's the way it should work you know and and hopefully that's the way that it will you know continue to work for many people as this paradigm of love starts to shift at the very least you know like doing some of that self-work to release that jealousy mm. and to also make sure that there's not any hidden agendas and hidden secret things i think truth is obviously really important for sure with all that um well you got to experience a little bit of that and we got to kind of get to know each other just to, just a smidgen but enough <laughs> for me to have a feeling like all right i was organizing a big trip to go down to see don howard in peru we were going to do ayahuasca and Wachuma, and I invited you to that. Mm. And that was, you know, about six weeks or so after Burning Man. And you said, yes. You're like, all right, I'm in. I,
1: I left that one to the universe. I mean, uh, I I didn't think I could get out the time. I had all these excuses. I was very, I felt so called to Iowa. I had never heard of Wachuma, but I had, ayahuasca had been on my radar. Like there were these perfect moments in conversation with people talking about their experiences with with ayahuasca and plant medicine where you know i could see a palpable shift in their being you know before and after and there was this part of me that that was like i want that you know like i'm searching for meaning and 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 more purpose and i really want to know what that experience is like so it was it was kind of something that had you know been a blip on my radar and then when you came you know with the offer to join you guys it felt like it was just too divinely orchestrated to pass <laughs> up and you know it, it ended up being really easy to get there and that was um that was a peak moment in my yeah, take
0: us to that because there's one moment in particular i mean obviously we could tell that story for a whole <laughs> podcast there's so much that happens in ayahuasca and wachuma there was a peak moment on wachuma where you really started to grasp in a in a very physical somatic way the love of what Rumi would call the great beloved the jungle itself the indigenous Mm. everything else so take us to that moment in the jungle
1: yeah Um, we journeyed down into the Amazon and had the blessing to meet the this indigenous people and their tribal leader was this older woman and it was it was Perfect because my grandmother had just passed away and I a lot of what I was there for was searching for her and um when we got there the tribal woman gave me a hug and I felt so overwhelmed with love I mean I was sobbing like <laughs> you know it was a moment and we we're we we're holding each other it felt like hugging my grandmother again and I, I, like I said, I was so overwhelmed. I had to walk away from everyone because I, I mean, I felt like I couldn't even walk. I just needed to take a moment and just be present with what I was feeling. And I realized, as you know, my my eyes were stopped watering enough that I could see that I could feel everything around me. I could feel how everything was so intricately connected to the thing next to it, how the trees communicate with each other and share water, you know, this, this, this intelligent system of being, and that I was part of that, and that I could ta- I could really, truly tap into the essence of anything. I could, you know, put my hand on a tree and I could feel its life. I could feel decay, I could feel burning, you know? And, and the whole rest of that day, i mean i i we went to if you've ever been to spirit quest you go to this place called the enchanted stream and it's one of the most beautiful places in the entire world Mm -hmm. and i just
0: especially through the eyes of wachuma yeah which makes everything (laughs) the most beautiful thing in the world
1: for sure. you know and and there were parts of it that were hilarious and and relating and talking to people but the 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 biggest part for me was just being and just feeling that every single moment of my entire life happened intricately perfectly to get me to that moment. Every pain, every challenge, every failure, every success, every joy, every love and relationship, everything happened perfectly to get me to that moment. Because in that moment, I no longer wondered what I was here for. I no longer wondered what God meant to me and that Mm. was a gift you know and, and it was so visceral it wasn't like this intellectualized you know it, it, it's 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 kind of hard to describe but it's just a knowing and it's True. a feeling and it's a it's a being that's
0: the thing with god very hard to describe <laughs> much better when you feel it
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> and it was so beautiful like i Everything to me in that moment was beautiful. Like there were there were bugs everywhere and they were crawling on me. And my biggest fear in the world is centipedes. And I literally was like, I will bathe in you. If you come, you're Mother Earth, and everything's connected and we're connected. And let's sing to each other and like let's all be together. Like that's how in love I felt. It was completely void of fear. And 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 i just trusted in the essence of being and why i chose to be a human being
0: yeah well that was a that was in many ways a challenging trip for me because of you know a lot of the dynamics that i had in my polyamory but i remember seeing you go through that experience and thinking like well this might have been totally fucked for me, but it was really good for Vi, so at least it wasn't a total loss. But ultimately, it brought a lot of healing to myself and to you know everybody involved. And that's the yeah. way these medicines work. Sometimes in the experience, they're hard, but later on, you start to learn how valuable they really are. For sure. So then, all right. <clears throat> Coming closer to the story of us getting together here. So the next, you know, we stayed really close throughout the rest of that year, but you're still living out in California. So we just saw each other and we could see each other. Mm -hmm. And another big moment was we went back to Burning Man together. This Mm -hmm. time you were in our camp. And there was a moment where, you know, with incredible gratitude to Whitney and the construct of our open relationship, I had the opportunity to, for the only time before we got together, bridge the the gap of intimacy and we got to share some intimacy and you know we danced and had more fun you understood that i was in a polyamorous relationship but you still <laughs> never really danced too much with me just a little bit just kind of just kind of a little like, taste oh,
1: <laughs> i like you but be a little bit further
0: away <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure but, i'm gonna go over here <laughs> <laughs> in that after our, our you know kind of moment of intimacy i had one of the strangest things that has never happened before never happened since and you know granted everybody uh burning man there's a lot of psychedelic drugs being taken there but i've done a lot of psychedelic drugs for the last 21 years so this is not (laughs) like of my first experience on mushrooms and i saw something like (laughs) i've never had this experience before where there was a blinding white star right in my third eye when i had my eyes open or had my eyes closed and nothing i did could get rid of this vision this open-eyed and closed-eyed vision of this blinding white star and i was like i was so astounded by that experience and now looking back like the only thing i can attribute it to was like some part either my own higher self my soul the divine all of which might be synonymous in certain ways but just kind of like put an asterisk on that moment and was like hey boy like don't forget this (laughs) you know like do not forget this moment because this is important you know and of course it was a lovely experience but that moment was this kind of thing where i was like whoa that was this first kind of cosmic wink of like this is something extraordinary Mm. you know and and this is something that's that's different than anything that i've experienced before
1: i had also had my own back to our first journey to peru i had had my own kind of wink of a moment too where at the end of that beautiful day that I just described in the enchanted stream um we we're closing ceremony and we we're all standing at the mesa and you know all 18 of us and at one point we were standing across from each other and we started to eye gaze which you know <laughs> i think that was probably the first time that i did it and for, and for you know for a little while it was kind of uncomfortable but then you know to just surrender and deepen into it I really understood the words, I see you, mm. you know? Like, oh my God, I love Avatar so much. <laughs> and, and, that hey, made, wow. <laughs> and that made sense to me, because I could see your light. I could see your dark. I could see all the shadow and the brilliance and the pain and the love and, and wisdom, just everything beaming out of you. And I don't think before that in life, I could ever really say that about somebody. And I knew in that moment that, you know, we were always going to be allies. I just had no idea it was gonna turn out like this. Yeah,
0: for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was, you know, so after that moment at Burning Man, you know, you were in different relationships mm-hmm. that, you know, for the next for the next few years, but I started to express to you, you know, that I had really strong feelings for you. And then I could see You know, I started to be able to see a potential future with you. Mm -hmm. And at some point, and you were still, I think, because of my own polyamory and because of all of the ways that you had partnered with different people and in different partnerships, and you're very devoted once you're in a partnership you weren't really open to exploring that ironically you had your own polyamory <laughs> experience <laughs> while avoiding mine <laughs> which is like the universe is like oh this yeah this one
1: is okay but you're not stay over there
0: <laughs> but uh at, you know one of the one of the points i sent you um a letter yeah and this was a point where you know i was like look i just gotta i gotta lay it out and i gotta let you know you know what i feel and so i thought we could share that letter because that'll give people an idea of kind of where my head was (laughs) at. Your
1: beautiful romantic (laughs) heart ah yes let's do it
0: so i wrote the letter and and the way that i structured (laughs) the letter was it was two letters it was a letter from me to her and then a hypothetical letter from her to me in response and it was just me kind of really almost channeling this understanding of what i thought our love might be of course i didn't know we had a brief intimate moment at burning man and other than that we just had a friendship so i wrote this letter <laughs> dear Vilana. what would it feel like to know that you were chosen beyond a doubt how would it feel to be fully seen for the full potential of who you are how would it feel to be with someone who could hold the fire of you as your hottest burning star and turn it into the warmth of a smile and a laugh <laughs> How would it feel to have a partner who could hold your hand all the way up to the moon, where you could shine your medicine on all mankind? What would it feel like to be cherished for every smell, for every kiss, for every cuddle, and for every touch? How would your heart feel to never worry that you were too much or not enough? What would it feel like to have a brave king, fighting with every breath for the good of all, who melted to heal in the arms of his queen? What would it feel like to have a child in your belly, knowing that it was coming into a world of peace and love deeper than any fairy tale ever told? How would it feel to know your king has traveled into the darkest corners of his ocean and there are no monsters there hiding left to sting and bite you? How would it feel to be able to be truly free and wild? <laughs>
1: That made me really emotional. (laughs) (sighs) Dear Aubrey, what would it feel like to look into your partner's eyes and know that you are always seen? What would it feel like to have a partner who could sing your soul awake and caress a tired body to rest? What would it feel like to be with someone who is here with you now, not lost in the distractions of a busy world or needing alcohol to blanket those things too scary to look at? What would it feel like to have a queen with the same mission to heal the world as you, her king? What would it feel like to be truly inspired by the one you loved? To have a woman who knew the truth of things not from her mind, but from her soul? What would it feel like to have someone who loved you not for what you were able to do, but for who you are able to be? What would it feel like to be with someone who knew she was worthy of all the love you had inside, the love of the whole universe? What would it feel like to look into the eyes of the mother of your children, to have a woman you would be honored to call wife and honored to have call you husband? How alive would you feel dancing in a unity of sweat and drum beats with your greatest love? How much more of who you are could you become if you had a woman like that? What sacrifice would you be willing to make for that woman? <laughs>
0: God. And, and then I, I closed the letter by saying, I'm not writing this because I know the answer to these questions. I don't know if I could be that man for you, and I don't know if you could be that woman for me, but I wonder. I have always wondered if that was so. I wonder, too, why you haven't thought the same. Perhaps my skin suit is just not quite right to make your own skin sing. Perhaps you're afraid to look at the possibility for some reason or another. Perhaps you like the chase of winning someone who will not fully choose you. Perhaps you think that I wouldn't fully choose you. Perhaps you see a truth deeper than I am able to see, and it is I who is blinded by the fantasy of an idea. If you ask it of me, this will be the last word I say about it. I will be your loyal ally, and love and support not just you, but whoever you choose as king, always. I will always be okay. I will find my queen in the body of someone else, or in the stars, the trees, the grasses, and the clouds. But my, but my heart bids me to send this to you. If this stirs something in you, the practicality in any real-world progression towards this idea can be an open dialogue, sensitive to everyone who would be affected. If the idea does not stir anything in you, or there is not an alignment in timing to even discuss it, I bless that response equally as well. I love you always, boo. I'll
1: <laughs> Man, <laughs> you're so sweet. It was um it was so moving to feel so seen, <laughs> especially you know in 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 the the challenge and the struggle that I had been in for a really long time, trying to you know make love work for me in relationship and you know, at the time, I still had a lot that I needed to settle in my life, so i i, I wasn't I wasn't open to it fully. I, it, it was incredibly moving to me, but it didn't fully settle into me. Like, I mean, reading it in this moment, and the moments that I read it after, you know, the, the tears were just streaming from my face to feel love that is you could so... have for sure
0: showed me like one of those tears <laughs> though you know like I was out there in a damn desert there was nothing I was like crickets oh, sweet my i love crickets crickets are great i love crickets crickets
1: <laughs> are the universe crickets are my queen <laughs> <laughs> but
0: you know i think as you're saying like it, some part of you you know i guess wasn't quite ready to receive that and I, that's and i and i you know gave the space for that as well
1: yeah and and that was something that was so beautiful about our relationship and something that always anchored for me in relating to the masculine is you were always unconditional. You didn't you didn't withdraw love because I didn't give it to you in the way that you were seeking. You know, you just were always there as my ally showing up with the most love and reminding me of who I am, of of being magnificent and being big and and shining my light on the world like you were you always reminded me of truth and that sense of of unconditionality was so immense for me because i had never i don't think i had ever truly known that before you mm.
0: <laughs> yeah it's uh you know I, i've certainly had my moments where some part of me wanted to be fussy and frustrated and and like but i would never express that you know i I had a much deeper commitment and i think that deeper commitment to just loving you and no matter what um was allowed was what allowed this to to happen but i think before that could even happen i really had to completely let go of -hmm. the idea that we would be anything and i did i did so much so that and and it was difficult because i felt to me i felt like i could see the potentiality of us together but you wouldn't see it and so i had you know massive conflict with god at that point i was mm-hmm. like this is fucked like i can see something that's so beautiful but i and i believed at that time that i was never going to get a chance to explore it and i was like this is fucked whatever and so i had that and that was i think something that was difficult but i just kept that aspect to myself and just honored all of your choices and everything that you were deciding to do um, and really just let it go and just moved on and of course your your mind will to try and soften the blow i would try and find as hard as i could try and find some flaw in you <laughs> you know like she's just doing ceremony all the time she doesn't even Her like breath to have fun probably in it. <laughs> smells
1: in the morning and she looks like a big puppy face probably
0: <laughs> <laughs> i don't think that would have got the job done i had to, I had to try and conjure because of course you know it's like some way i had to try and make this something that i could that i could tolerate and um of course that eventually came crashing down pretty pretty shortly (laughs) but it was so much so that even when i went to my darkness retreat which is a massive pivotal moment for me where i got to commune with all of the souls all of the ideas of different people that i would have these conversations with in the darkness in my own head i would try to reach out to you and have a conversation but i could never form any connection with you and mm-hmm. that's strange because we're incredibly connected yeah but like i could we not even form... were,
1: we were even really connected before
0: for sure yeah and for whatever reason i just couldn't form any connection with you and i think it was because i wasn't supposed to see what was coming and i wasn't supposed <laughs> to I like it was just i needed to handle and sort out everything else i needed to learn how to love myself i needed to learn lessons even about how to love an orientation towards whitney you know because we were Mm. still at that point even though we were broken up we were still we still love each other and i'll love her forever always but i had to learn to love her exactly as she was Mm. rather than loving what she could be and and that was a huge lesson about how to love somebody was just to love them not for their potential but love them for the absolute actuality of who they are moment Mm. to moment and so I had to learn all of these lessons that if I was like, "Holy shit!" I connected with Vi, and we're, that would have circumvented and undermined the whole, you know, the whole experience that unfolded. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I, I was really surprised that you <laughs> you couldn't connect with me at all. It's like I, know. I thought we had a really deep relationship, <laughs> and I love you so much, and that sucks, but okay.
0: <laughs> so fast forward again, and then. So, you know, I, as I said, completely, you know, kind of given up any hope of us ever being anything, Um, you know, you were having a lot of challenge with your partner and you, as you did from time to time, you would come over and stay at my house up in the guest room. Always,
1: often. Yeah,
0: (laughs) when there would be challenge. And so you let me know that that was happening. I had already planned a date. Uh, with somebody that night so like
1: <laughs> you were just gonna go about your business
0: <laughs> yeah for sure Basically. so the date comes over and i'm like in moments just covered in her makeup all yeah. over the place i was like hey Vi, uh see you in the morning maybe i'm gonna
1: go upstairs and you guys have fun <laughs>
0: <laughs> and so like just speaking to this idea that i just i had no strategy i had nothing yeah i had nothing to gain or lose with you being there it was just like you were my roommate buddy for the next indefinite amount of days so i get home the next day and i see you there and you're just kind of hanging out not doing anything particularly to appointment important for my <laughs> purview so i was like hey you want to drop into a ketamine meditation which is a practice that both of us have started to explore at that point point." and you're like sure i was like all right so we put on the same music listening to the same music and that was the moment that it was done yeah whatever we whatever we we almost it was almost like we still had choice but but it
1: didn't feel like choice but
0: (laughs) the isness of what it was was so overwhelming so we go into this journey and ketamine is a a powerful disassociative which removes you from your body and gives you access to your consciousness your soul your awareness whatever that is that travels the non-physical dimensions and within 12 minutes i had the undeniable experience that you and i were completely in union Mm. just married union not in like the contractual sense but just togetherness
1: yeah like the eternal the eternal parts of ourselves that was my experience was the same it was it was at the time i had felt an incredible wholeness in myself and all the work that I had done for so many years, trying to come into a place of just peace and harmony and love in myself. And I was feeling that very much as a sovereign being, but that experience was showing what union meant in partnership. And it was showing me you and all the ways that we've danced together in different forms and lives and and, uh, felt really, just like an undeniable truth. And um, I remember (laughs) coming out of it, like neither of us were expecting that at all. We just went into it- what the hell just happened? As friends, you know, we've always, we've had pretty powerful experiences together in medicine. So, you know, I figured it would just be like a, you know, expansive experience, but it was so much more than that. I remember coming out of it and being like, what was your experience <laughs> like? Oh my God. I don't know if I'm ready for knowing this. For sure. <laughs> and
0: like I was everything was good in my life. You know, it was actually like a really good point. And like I think this we both
1: I think we both were. Like yeah. the way that we were connecting before that, both of us kind of had the same prayer for what we wanted to experience in love. And and this was just as friends, you know, speaking about it in in terms that wasn't directed at each other. And we we both I think we're in incredible places in ourselves
0: i had been talking about my desire to transition from polyamory into sacred union mm-hmm. and even you know even on whitney's podcast again we were broken up and open about talking about all these things like yeah i'm interested in monogamy next and sacred union, understanding what that is like mm-hmm. having some Aspect of relationship that's so sacred and so important that it always comes first. That there's yeah. nothing that's challenging it. There's nothing that that takes you away from that. And I'd been mm. craving that, and I think you'd been craving that as well, having I, your own experience with polyamory as well, where you had to share attention and share that kind of love with somebody else.
1: Yeah, which was which was incredibly hard. It was incre- You know, there's so much love and so much incredibly accelerated learning but so 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 hard and you know i i met two of my my best friends that live here in austin my friends dan and micra and their love was like nothing i had ever seen before you know deepening into relationships with both of them you know we're so on the same wavelength of the way that we see the world and the way that we venture into ourselves, and to be really, you know, intimately present with their love, it showed me a possibility of something that I had never seen before. Like, honestly, thinking back to it, there wasn't a model of a relationship in any couple that I knew, you know, personally or, you know, famous people or anything like that where I was like, that's the kind of love I want right Not, like, yeah, you at don't all. see
0: a lot of examples of it you see a lot of dishonesty you see a lot of resentment you see a lot of workarounds you see a lot of complaining to the girls about your guy when you're there guys complaining to yeah. the guys about their girl and so then desiring judgment. other things and that was one of the reasons that drew me into polyamory anyways is because I didn't see this shit working Mm. i didn't see like good examples of like oh yeah that monogamous couple they're really fucking killing it they seem super happy (laughs) they
1: are miserable (laughs) and
0: that's typically what we see but and i honestly still hadn't particularly seen that until you know you introduced me to dan and micro as well that was another good example for me where i got to kind of see that from them but i still had this idea like i'd really explored polyamory as deep as I could take it, you know, mm. as far as I could go. You did it real good. I, I fucking went for it, <laughs> you know, just stumbling through blindly trying to figure everything out, which I'm incredibly grateful what for. What medicine
1: for the world, though. For True, sure. Truly. I mean, I can really
0: speak on that, you know, with with deep experience and my own shadow, my own jealousies, the challenges, the struggles. I mean, ultimately coming to this idea that it's a, a beautiful philosophy that just doesn't typically work in practice kind of like communism right like it's beautiful share everything you know that's great but it's taking out of account human nature Mm. and human nature doesn't work in that way like we're Self-motivated, and our egos are strong. And maybe in some hypothesized utopian future, everything could be polyamorous, and everything could be communist. We just work together and share everything, including our love, including our children, and all that. But fucking in our world now, trying to do that—that that shit is hard. That shit is real hard. And I got to learn that from experience, and obviously take that experience and apply it to, of course, now what we have now, and understand and take the lessons about myself and about partnership. So you know that was great and you got to you know in your own way have your own experiences you know of that in in a certain way although you didn't take it as deep <laughs> as i did
1: Definitely not as deep as you. <laughs> <laughs> but
0: emotionally challenging emotionally, as anything that i experienced Yeah,
1: emotionally the deepest. I mean if, if talk about feeling all the feelings in and seeing yourself in in all the ways and all you know in in all of it um Something, something that I, I really recognized in myself, just in the container, and this is without judgment for you know anyone who I, I believe people could thrive in that container. I think it's, 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 it, it depends on the individual, sure, you know. But I think for me, I wasn't really honoring my needs for like stability and 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 this, like you said, the sacredness, the part that's just like so devoted that that nothing else you know can can penetrate and disrupt that you would fold
0: absolutely everything else yeah there is nothing else that you would hold higher than your love and union with that person that's what's sacred right like everything you can say everything is sacred which it is everything Mm -hmm. is sacred but to declare something as sacred there has to be a separation in the in the separation from the rest of the things and that's what makes it sacred and and the separation of this union from the rest of any unions, partnerships, ideas, or things like that, that's what makes a sacred union sacred. Mm. You fold all other cards, you fold everything to the ace. If something is troubling in the the sacred union, you get rid of it. Mm. You remove that, unless it's an opportunity for growth.
1: I also kind of look at it too as like, love is this way that's expanding outward when you're bringing in other partners and you know relating in these ways, which can be like a lot of energy what if you took all of that energy and you deepened, you know? Like right. what if you took that love and you like went down into the depths of the ocean with it in tantra and you know, like these co-creative practices. You know, and that I had never known before. And I and I was my heart was calling me, to, my soul was calling me to it. And so to see once again, you know, people who are living that And seeing possibility, I knew then what I wanted, and I started to pray for it. I, you know, without attachment, I was just I I pray a lot, and it's not in a. um, I just speak to the universe what I want, you know, and 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 I speak my gratitude, and I speak what it is I would like to experience, what it is I would like to feel, and I wanted to feel cherished. I wanted to feel love in a way that was spiritual and deep and just you know unimaginable and i was making those prayers and then you popped in
0: <laughs> and then we did, did our journey but i had done such a good job convincing myself that you were no longer any fun and that that burning man girl that i used to know that would dance all free and be wild and free and I, that that person was gone so after that experience we had on ketamine i was like let's just go dancing just as friends, like let's just go dancing, and then let's see. And really, I have to admit that there was certainly a bit of an ulterior motive. I wanted to see if you were fun. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I wanted to see if you were still fun. She might suck. And this, could, this could actually <laughs> she might have lost be, it. Yeah, this she might the
0: greatest sucked. dancer I've ever seen might have lost it. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> so we go out dancing and uh i got on my sinbad earring yeah, my one sword ear <laughs> so
1: cute you and your little yeah. character yeah and then we yes. go
0: out dancing and it's a really like dope place here in town It's more like a dance hall vibe it's sweaty it's, it's dark super it's great swanky. music yeah yeah it's like
1: great great music <laughs> yeah
0: and uh so it's playing like reggaeton and hip-hop and this kind of latin
1: it was actually it to me it felt like a journey to remembering that i was really fun like they were playing all like these awesome so mixes i wasn't totally off base of all the hits <laughs> of like man this is when i had fun when i was you know in college and this is when i had a fucking blast when i was working in you know in la doing bottle service and bartending like it was helping me to remember the part of me that had so much fun like every single song i'm like fuck yeah like it was so good and, and opening it 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 truly felt like a journey for me yep. through myself
0: <laughs> about halfway through i had determined that you were actually fun and then my last thread <laughs> of hope my last thread of hope that maybe you weren't the person that i thought you were was dashed <laughs> and at that moment i remember thinking to myself like i am fucked oh. i am so fucked like, this is it, she is the one, and I am fucked. <laughs> and I started, to, I started to quietly sob, we were dancing. I think Cisco's thong song was it playing, actually, it was sure like a, was remit, like a, a I was Latin doing, remit.
1: <laughs> I was doing like the da-da-da-da, like totally getting it. And then you grabbed me and hugged me, and which- And I was shaking. Yeah, I mean, we were hugging for a moment, which felt f- hilarious, because the thong song was playing. But also, like, it's really special. Um, and 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 in in your embrace always felt like a sense of home so you know i'm not thinking anything of it just like hugging on the dance floor to the thong song <laughs> and then you start shaking and i look up at you and you're crying like covered in tears and i was so confused like we were just having so much fun <laughs> what happened wow
0: yeah and <laughs> and really what i was realizing is that i didn't believe that i could heal myself and that i could live my best life and reach anything close to my potential if i wasn't going to be with you and mm-hmm. not just someone like you it was you mm-hmm. because i've you know explored the world and met a lot of different amazing fucking, fantastic people but the way that you are as a being i just recognized that you're it you're the you're the one that could actually help bring me to the fullest expression of my potential and i believe that i could be that one for you Mm -hmm. and so i was just sobbing because at that point i had no defense i had nothing else i was completely vulnerable and you know if you decided not to choose me i was open to the entire devastation of that but also the beautiful possibility that maybe Maybe you would this time, you know, after the many years, maybe this time would be different. Maybe mm-hmm. that you would give it a chance. So, you know, we had to then at that point just reconcile that. And we had a couple other like breath work experiences, but never crossed the physical threshold no. at all Mm-mm. until you had, you know, transitioned from your partnership, moved out of the house that you were currently staying in. And then at that point, the magnetism between us was just so strong.
1: It was really strong. And there wasn't there wasn't any kind of yet like you said sexual intimacy or you know and I mean there was sensual intimacy and and deep presence and 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 absolute magnetism but it was it was kind of like we were just it was like we were both like tiptoeing <laughs> we're tiptoeing like on the edge of the shore like Hmm, that ice looks like maybe we could walk on it, but maybe we're gonna fall to our death. So yeah. <laughs> it definitely kind of trickled into it. Yeah, no and doubt. and then it just, man, it just kept being incredible. <laughs>
0: we kept having experiences and ceremonies and winks from the universe, and then eventually we crossed the threshold to kiss. And you know, within and that's all we did is just kiss you know and then within even before we were actually more intimate than that i was like all right i know i'm in and i i bought i bought an engagement ring at that point i was like i'm fucking in and uh and then bought the ring and then maybe a week later it was the first time that we were actually sexually intimate mm-hmm. and then at that point you know, which is also another beautiful, I you know, love that beautiful story. like yeah. ritual which yeah. you kind of came up in your I own mind.
1: I had a I had a um a vision of just entering into sexuality or sexual intimacy in a really sacred way. And what I saw was me, you know, doing sound and, and us um in medicine together to kind of absolve all the energy of of the ways that Sex was used as a form of validation or things that weren't, you know, pure or sacred. Um, and it was absolutely beautiful, so emotional. I mean, for for both of us, for me, it was the first time that I really felt like I had been made love to, you know, in this incredibly expansive divine sense, like be before i had known love and and or i'd known sexual intimacy in a way that kind of felt um connected but also kind of transactional like my body is a vessel you know for physical pleasure and i and i danced in that too like i'm i'm not saying i was i was used but that was the way that i kind of related to sexuality it's like you know i could i could be this way but it wasn't um it wasn't making love and connecting with somebody on that deep of a level. And, and you know, the, the, the first time that we were intimate, I was inconsolable, like I was just, like the, the, the movie scenes you see where they have sex and she's like in tears and it's beautiful, <laughs> holy fuck. I was waiting for
0: this forever. <laughs> yeah, and I was and I was crying too because instead of my idea of sexual performance was the reason that I would be worthy of love, like mm. how I would perform was the reason that someone would love me, which was a deeply ingrained pathology that I had from growing up the way that I had and my understanding of what made a man a man and a, only a true man was worthy of love and a true man always had the hardest dick ever and was the most amazing <laughs> lover and at all times and yeah. yeah that was it like that was the thing that made me worthy of love and if i wasn't performing to that standard then i wasn't worthy of love and then of course nobody would love me because of all these reasons and all of that started to evaporate because really your attention was not focused on my genitals it was focused <laughs> on my heart and i remember looking at you like yeah it's, it's the heart it's <laughs> the heart that <laughs> needs the healing <laughs> you're like yeah i get it (laughs) and that was you know so we got engaged shortly after that and then as we kind of entered that container of love we haven't spent a single day apart since then Mm -hmm. you know since we went to sedona and i proposed to you on the the plane flight out to sedona and this beautiful experience you know two weeks after i bought the ring (laughs) and the healing has just been exponential and the yeah. potential for this kind of love where you just feel held and you feel like you don't have to compete anymore. Mm. You don't have to chase, you don't have to do anything. Just the pure presence of who you are is what makes you worthy of love in a container that reminds you of that, having you be that mirror for me and me be that mirror for you. Yeah. So much healing has just, that wasn't formerly possible was possible.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and just, I mean, the one of the greatest gifts is feeling like I am full violana, like the my eternal soul, my my being, you know, that exists even beyond physical form. It feels like I'm totally online. Like every aspect of my being, my crea- you know, being creative, my voice, you know um, being a medicine woman and and my intuitive and healing abilities like everything is it's it's like it our love has unlocked these key codes that only we could have for each other
0: yeah and and some of those you know so for me one of the things that unlocked is i had so much stress and tension Mm. about my own desire to do things to be worthy of love from sexual things to things outwardly expressed to the world that put me in constant anxiety because I was always potentially maybe not living up to my own expectations of what a man should be or what I should be. So if I didn't meet my expectations that I wasn't worthy of love. So I had that whole complex and that kept me in such stress that I actually was dependent on Xanax to fall asleep. Yeah. And 2 days after we got engaged, we had a ceremony where you got to be in your full medicine woman <laughs> bloom and use your voice in right. the bowls and every aspect of who you are. To bring healing to me, and we also had you know that same couple, the medicine man and woman that you mentioned, holding space for us as well. But it was really you who carried me through that whole night, Mm. and I just poured the Xanax in the toilet.
1: Yeah, and cold turkey, cold
0: turkey. And that's not medically advisable, and I'm not saying that as a recommendation. Obviously, if you're going to duplicate what I did, you need a medicine woman as your fiance and (laughs) and a whole other container of things, and it has to be the right timing. But It worked for me and there was some hard nights, but you were always there to do hape, which is the tobacco snuff, and then heal some part of me that was feeling that stress and I was holding it in my body or sing me a song. You were singing me songs and playing the bowls for me when I couldn't sleep. And all of these things that were possible in that deep physical healing Mm. to the point where now I've never felt healthier. I've never felt more alive and radiant as a physical human being than I am now. Yeah. And for you, you know, one of the things I'd love you to touch on is how being loved in this way including the sexuality has unlocked a lot of the trauma that you'd carried sexually.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, I've had um some surprising experiences of of repressed sexual trauma, you know, being at the least bit sexually violated, you know, if not raped when I was in college, like I mean ha- fully having the Physical experience that was embedded in my nervous system of like what that energy feels like, um, and just a lot of other experiences. Where as a vulnerable woman, I, th- I think the energy in the, in 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 rape and and being sexually violated is feeling like your power is taken away taken away from you, feeling like your choice is taken away from you. But then also in relating to sexuality. The choices that I made to give my power away, because I wasn't really um, I wasn't really sure of myself. I was incredibly vulnerable in these experiences to the point where I didn't know what to do. So I just kind of went with it. And those kinds of experiences came up. And it was really surprising because, I mean, they were so repressed. I had no recollection of of many of these things happening, but the way that I moved through it, and and this is a way that I see, you know, a, a container of unconditional love. I don't think that the the same way that you process trauma is the same, and that's just this. Just speaking from my personal experience, like I was remembering these experiences, they were brought up from the unconscious into my conscious awareness. But it wasn't like I had to go through it in this drawn out, painful way. It just felt like it popped in as, you know, this is part of you. This is something that you've, you have experienced. But it didn't feel like um, I needed to go through it in a deep way because the love, that, the space that you have held for me just has felt so safe, you know? It, and, and and it gave me the ability to just let things go. And also to, you know, feel for other women who, I, I mean, watching the Jeffrey Epstein, we only watched one episode, but like hearing these interviews of these women and the vulnerability and, and, and their discomfort and not knowing what to do, so they just go with it. Like, I, I think as a woman, you know we're we're put in situations like that and because we don't really have our own empowered voice or or um uh ability to stand for ourselves and say no yeah like that 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 is massive
0: sure and of course it's you know the blame falls entirely on the expression of the dark masculine that's perpetrating these heinous acts mm. but you know it is in some ways often possible because the women don't feel sovereign and powerful no. enough and and loved unequivocally enough and and maybe there is a craving to get love you know that same thing that you had younger when you were younger you know and you're in college and you're with somebody and you'll you still want love and you still want approval and and so that makes it possible for you to surrender you know, your own sense of sense of this is not right. Mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and of course, it's all the fault goes, of course, to the man in that situation. They're the one who's perpetrating, but nonetheless, like the defense, the defense to that attack mm. comes from within. and the yeah. strengthening, like that's, yes, yes, we absolutely need to, you know, correct all of the masculine expressions of this a hundred percent but also we need to support women
1: empower the empower women and, and, so
0: much like yeah. that's the best defense we can possibly do is just show women how to claim their voice and claim their power yeah. and be able to say fuck no well the, fuck you you're going to jail you know like <laughs> get the fuck out of here
1: <laughs> and i mean in a way to like in those experiences, where I will, you know, chose to give my power away out of out of not feeling that empowered voice within and my my own internal ignoring my internal compass, came so much shame. like mm. you know, it, it's it's like a traumatizing moment, but I'm ashamed that I allowed myself to even be a part of it. And so the way that I, did everything and the re- and the reason that these memories were so repressed was because I ne- I never told anybody about it. I never talked about it. It was just like cut off in my psyche and that didn't happen. And I kept going on with life like those things never happened. And then you wonder, you know, that's like energy and frequency and story that's actually happening in your internal world that you you create in your external world in in other ways yeah it's
0: just banging around somewhere in your psyche closed off in some quarantined yeah. kind of cage and not being allowed to actually cry the tears and feel the feeling and the anger that comes up and the violation and the sadness because the and, shame the shame also buries it you and, know?
1: and and to be supported
0: yeah to be truly held
1: to be to be seen and and told that you know like it's okay for sure it's okay you have nothing to be ashamed of and and to feel you know to feel love in those moments
0: yeah and that's the that's the tragedy of everyone that's in some ways made that like there's so many examples of a woman who's in an experience like that and somehow society will place blame on the woman Mm. and and some of that's internal but that's the internal aspect of that is comes from this external idea that having sex in this way is shameful Mm. which has been internalized and then then people feel shame themselves which is fucked up yeah you know like that's it it blurs the line allows these things to exist in the shadows when these things should be expressed you know out in the open and that's one of the beautiful things that's been happening now is at least now these things are coming up these things that have been repressed or there's an open forum and a space for Mm -hmm. people to like express these things that have been hidden in the shadows and we see that coming up in many different ways in the collective now
1: for sure and i think that there's an importance on teaching young people you know like the the, the like really truly empowering people to experience sexuality in a healthy way it's it's not this like Holy as thou, you know, you can only do love in this super sacred way, and you can't be kinky or have fun or have a one-night stand or whatever. Right. But like educating people to be empowered in their sexuality.
0: Absolutely. And and also just free. You know, there's so much homophobia. And so the men who've been violated. I know so many men who've been violated mm. when they were younger. It's not just women, like it's universal, maybe happens more for women, and I think absolutely does. But men have been violated in many ways as well by both men and women. You know, I hear stories of this. And sometimes because the societal narrative is, ah, don't worry about it, men just kind of slough it off if it's a woman. But if it's a man, that's even more shameful because then you're, especially if you got pleasure from it, well, then you may be homosexual. And so you bury yeah. it with even more shame. And it comes even deeper inside. And I've been in, in MDMA therapy sessions where I've been, you know, fortunately welcomed into these sessions where i've watched powerful men successful men go through these sexual repressed sexual traumas where another man had abused them and they buried it from their own shame you know Mm. about these experiences so that thing is universal so opening up that conversation and allowing these things to heal is so vital it's just so 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 important
1: for sure i absolutely completely agree and 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 the way that it can heal is through love and support, and I very much felt that, you know, with you, I, th- I think I think I was ready. It's almost like you know, the system of my body was ready for me to face these things because I knew how held I would be, you know. So thank you for being my,
0: <laughs> for sure,
1: <laughs> my beautiful mirror of, of once again and seeing likewise, myself. and
0: you know, thank you for everything that you've offered to me. I mean, it's it's truly it's truly a dream. And we carried that dream and we got married by Elvis (laughs) in Vegas and just had a fucking blast. We
1: gotta talk about that a little bit (laughs) because I think everyone should get married with their friends so we have our <laughs> friends
0: it's a lot of coordination you got to really right but it oh happened serendipitously it for us
1: so perfect our friends robie and, and Kamu from Prague got stuck in sedona because they were originally going to um be there for some of your retreats and then the lockdown happened so they just were you know stuck there and we got to connect and and deepen our soul relationships with them and, and they got engaged the day before us and so Uh, we all went to vegas together and got married together we took turns (laughs) getting married together and it was so it was so incredible and so graceful and not stressful and beautiful and deep and hilarious it was it it was 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 all all the the things
0: things. yeah (laughs) (laughs) and i think i think that's also it we have so many of these expectations about what a marriage should be and especially for people who know us as spiritual beings particularly us saying yeah we got married by elvis and it was awesome they're like huh like yeah because that's the full expression like all of it is beautiful whether you're having you know kinky fun sex or dancing to hip-hop or whether you're deep in meditation on a mountaintop you know connecting with your soul's purpose like (laughs) both are beautiful we're human beings like we're here to taste all the different fruits and experience things as long as we're supporting each other supporting ourselves and supporting the collective and not taking yeah you know like if you're not taking and you're not hurting and you're not harming anybody, and you're just experiencing, well, that's what we're fucking here to do.
1: Yeah, we are here to do human. You know, we, nope. didn't, we didn't come here to just be angels, you know, <laughs> flying around the earth. Like we came here to do human in, in all of its experiences. And that includes kinky sex and <laughs> all the things. All the things, all the things.
0: So if you had to, if you had to tell a young girl you know who's been in and out of these challenging romantic relationships dealing with a lot of the things if you had to go speak directly to that person it could be any age honestly Mm it could be a a woman of 40 or a a girl of 16 you know like either way like what would you tell them from what you've learned about love and what you've learned about how to traverse this journey
1: yeah i mean At its core, is what are the stories that you have around love? You know, like for me, I didn't know how to trust in it. And so that it's like a self fulfilling prophecy. You know, if I believe that I cannot trust in love, I will create all of the experiences where I can't trust in love. So getting really clear in yourself about what part of you is continuing to create. These experiences and and having the awareness around it to be able to change, to be able to evolve, to be able to grow. Um, I also think that you know practices where you're really being unconditionally loving of yourself, and that means you know honoring and speaking your needs. And your desires and your boundaries. One thing that I was horrible at in life was boundaries. <laughs> like, you know, if I have a boundary, I'm afraid I'm gonna lose love. And and I I don't even think I was ever really clear about what those were for me, but it they would happen in moments when I would get angry or triggered or, you know, it's it was like the part of me that was speaking to me, you know, this is this is a boundary of something that isn't okay with sure. me. Um and so yeah, like really really honoring yourself and knowing yourself, knowing what it is that you need, taking the time to be present with what that is and not being afraid to ask for it, you know? If you ask for your needs and desires from a partner and you know, that doesn't align with theirs, maybe there's a misalignment in the relationship, you know? Maybe it's something that you can work through, but like if you're if you're always honoring yourself, the world around you is 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 listening to that and it is also going to honor you. Yeah. You really have to put yourself first and that's not in a self, you know, it's not in a selfish sense like what i need is the most important, but like if you're not going to honor your needs and desires, nobody else is going to do it for you and you're always going to end up in relationships that don't feel fulfilling. So like get right with that part in you first and and that takes action in moments, you know, of just choosing to do that, especially when it's uncomfortable. Like I think for a lot of women, because we feel so much, and like I said, I've always been really sensitive to people's energy shifts and I could I could read people really well. And so when when something was coming from me that was disruptive for them, it was kind of like I would do whatever I could to fix it instead of taking a second to breathe and reflect on, What's here for me? You know, I also matter. <laughs> mm-hmm. You matter the most. Like nobody else can do you the way that you do and the way that you need. Yeah. Um, and just feel safe to love yourself in that way. Like, we're, I don't think we celebrate our magnificence enough you know and i don't i don't think that's an egotistic thing like i mean if it's like narcissism or like a fake projection of you or
0: as a compensation mechanism or the motivation behind it is to parade some aspect of yourself that you think is better than everybody else that's different but our inherent magnificence and every single person is magnificent
1: every single person is so magnificent so like can we celebrate that more? <laughs> For sure. I try to celebrate that in all of my relationships because that's the way that that's the way that I like to see the world. And in in a in a great way, I have found how to see that in myself. And I think that's why yes, you have. I think that's why this relationship came into being and why this is all possible. Is it started with that incredibly solid, unconditional self love
0: amen and, and have a little faith, and have, and have, a, faith. have a little faith he'll it'll make, soften all the all through. the sharp corners and all the edges you know and, and know that whatever you've experienced it's possible to heal we've seen amazing healing happen in all the circles and the plant medicine circles and the breath work circles and everything that we've done we've watched incredible healing happen and like maestro alberto one of my you know most powerful ayahuasca shamans that i work with he said we can fix anything but dead and I was like I fucking dig that you know like whatever you've gone through whatever you've experienced like healing is possible you're that powerful that you can do it
1: and also honor it because so much of the healing of the self is how you become a master in serving others you know I can so deeply talk about my experiences to hopefully inspire you know somebody else's light awakening moment in themselves because they relate to me and like that's part of the point why we go through all the challenge and struggle is for how we can show up to serve others in the world
0: indeed well the last thing that we haven't touched on is you know you were trying to be a singer trying to be christina aguilera trying to be a (laughs) pop star based on that traditional model that you were conditioned to believe was everything Mm -hmm. and then you gave singing up because you knew that wasn't right it didn't fit right didn't sit right with you yeah but then, along your journey, you picked it up again as a sound dealer.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It uh, that was uh, it was my dream as a little girl. It just was misplaced in the way <laughs> in the way that I saw it. And so I experienced trying to be an artist, living in LA, and working with incredible producers and writers and magical creative people um, but it was really void of the soul for me you know it was it was it, it really shined light on the part of me that was trying to prove you know I could go in I could go in the studio and sing the way that they wanted me to and then when I listened to it afterwards I'm like it sounds pretty but I don't love this because I don't mean anything that I'm saying and um, so I did I, I gave up I gave up singing, which was heartbreaking because then I had no idea what I was going to do. Like that was the thing, you know, that was the thing that I was supposed to do. So for it to not be the thing anymore, um, it's actually what started my awakening because I started to search for myself and in searching for myself, I found sound healing. You know, I had a, I had my first sound healing by a beautiful woman here in uh, in Austin. Her name's Tina Rodriguez. Check her out on Instagram because she is an incredibly powerful, amazing being. Um, I had my first sound healing with her probably about two or three years ago. And within the first five minutes, I was having a completely visceral ayahuasca-like experience, like a, an absolute journey just from sound. And I used that as a tool, you know, for to help me to move through whatever I was going through. And it it opened up so much in me and awakened these, you know, shadowy places that i I couldn't access. It was like it was just coming into my being. And so I used it in in um, as a way to to heal in receiving, and then decided eventually to, do it myself. And I, yeah, did a certification by her same teacher, Paul Hubbard, um, who I love. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, I started to heal myself through sound. At the time I was in a really, really, really dark place. And I actually went and spent a month in isolation at the ranch in Sedona. And I used sound to break open my heart that was so guarded from a life of suffering and traumatic relationships and codependency. It was like, you know, I saw it as as kind of like like, uh, lava, you know, like lava that was kind of cracked and, you know, the inside was moving, but it was guarded. And in using the sound to heal myself, like I really realized that this is what I'm here to do. Like, this is my purpose to, you know, be able to facilitate this for other people. The thing that I love the most, you know, giving people the space to evolve and expand and heal. And it has truly been the greatest gift. I mean, so much of myself has, has just opened in the experience of, of receiving sound, facilitating sound, connecting with people so intimately, um, and just really trusting everything that comes through.
0: Yeah. It's so, you know, people may underestimate the power of sound as a healing tool, but when you think about it, you know, the brainwave patterns, these are on regular patterns of vibration you Mm -hmm. know where neurons are firing at certain intervals and and the sound has a way to actually influence you know the way that your brain is actually firing and the way that your body is receiving you know atomic motion which is moving slower or faster and depending on the density of what's there sound has the way to move through all of that and create shifts like physical shifts on a cellular level in the body and in the mind it's why we like certain music when we work out or certain music when we surf or certain music when we meditate
1: movie scores could you imagine like a tragedy scene in a movie without sound like our bodies are so we are we are made to be receptive to sound it literally penetrates us like you said on a cellular level throughout our entire being in a non-invasive way it's just you know um resonating the frequency externally with what's happening internally. And that's the way that sound works. It's if if you think of your system, your body, um, as everything in the universe is vibration. So every Aubrey Marcus cell is vibrating at a certain frequency. And there's a resonant frequency when you are in pristine health. So when you experience physical ailments, um, you know, or or undesired experiences. It's like something is out of resonance. Something is dissonant. If you think of it like a symphony, you know, your body is the symphony in health. And if one aspect of it is offbeat, goes out of tune, it's like disrupting your entire being. And so what sound has the ability to do is to move through you, through your entire being to bring you back into resonance and to bring you back into Harmony, and I've seen it envisioned as this incredibly precise technology. That you know, there's a lot of science-based evidence. You know, if you go looking for it, of, of the effects that sound has on your entire system, on your on your your physical body, your mental body, your emotional states, your immune system. I mean, there's so much evidence at this point, which is really exciting because it's been used in ancient tra- in ancient excuse me traditions. For thousands of years mm. and so now you know people know what it feels like coming out of a sound healing or when they listen to certain kinds of music but to now have you know the evidence to show what's actually happening in the body it's so exciting and that's just
0: scratching the surface it's
1: just scratching the yeah, surface I think yeah. there's
0: so much so much more to go as far as understanding like what the full capabilities of sound are Mm -hmm. and you know we're in a time where science is important to get the skeptics to kind of take a look Mm -hmm. um but at the same time like put yourself as an n of one in the laboratory experience and perhaps even you know i know you're going to play these bowls again here in a moment you know just allow yourself give yourself the space take some deep breaths and you know experience just a a taste of this Mm. for yourself and just see what you feel yeah. you know i mean and that's the most important experiment of all is the experiment of you and uh and give it a go
1: yeah all right Are all right ready? let's do it go ahead and close your eyes take a gentle breath in through your nose and out through your mouth grounding down into this moment The only responsibility that you have is just openness to feel, to allow the sound to move through you, to know that it is bringing you into greater resonance, balance, and peace. one or both of your hands and place it on your heart and in this moment send yourself unconditional love the love, the forgiveness, the compassion that you so easily give to others give it to yourself in this moment, feel it move through your entire being, you are worthy of this love these words after me I love me I am free
0: I love you so much
1: I love you
0: my <laughs> medicine woman My wife. Just so much gratitude and I can't wait to spend the rest of my life with you.
1: (laughs) Me too, my love.
0: (laughs) Um, you got a Spotify station that's coming online? Yeah. 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 V-Y-L-A-N-A Vylana on Spotify and Instagram, Violana Marcus. You okay.
1: seem like you're in a dace.
0: I am well you, it works, all right. Like what do you what do you what do you expect? What do you want me to do? Just turn it back on? Fine, I'll fucking turn it back on. Your sound is not that powerful. I can just be whatever I want to be. I'm not in a dace. I'm not affected at all.
1: I love you. I love you too. <laughs> I love you too. Um yeah, uh, we'll have a song up shortly. It's um it'll be my first song on my Spotify artist account. It's called Initiation. And I sang it while we were in Sedona and I sang it for the world, for everything that's happening, all of the chaos and disruption and anger and, and you know everything that everyone is feeling so much. I was singing to that and um, I've honestly used it in my daily practice for myself because it feels so empowering and healing. So yeah, I would love for, for people to listen for your own for your own healing and and peace it's a big big part of my heart to be able to share this gift
0: it was an inspired transmission for sure <laughs> all right everybody thank you so much for tuning in we love you we, love you. we did it
1: eh. Bye. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yay. thanks for tuning into this podcast with myself and vailana i hope you guys enjoyed the story could see how much we love each other and Got some value from understanding the nature of the evolution of love as expressed in my own life and in her life. So if you're interested, follow her, at Vylana Marcus, V-Y-L-A-N-A Marcus. And she has her new song out on Spotify and her artist name is just V-Y-L-A-N-A, her first name, Vilana. Thank you so much, fam.